This is Tom Darling, your host for Conversations with Classic Boats, the podcast that talks to boats. This month is a very special time in the home port of Newport, because every two years, COVID accepted, it is the Newport to Bermuda race, the thrash to the onion patch, 635 miles of ocean sailing to dodge the Gulf Stream and June weather patterns in an iconic race. Up there with the Fastnet and the Sydney Hobart. Thank you. And the name of this episode is self-explanatory. It is Signature Boats, a senior classic goes to the onion patch. In a typical Bermuda race year, there is a small contingent of vintage boats, 50 years or older, who prepare for and participate in American offshore sailings big race. Many skippers opt for the Marion to Bermuda event, but Newport to Bermuda is the Bermuda race. Back in 2020, it was Jess Terry's intention to do the big one. He had worked on his boat, counted all the screws in his 65-year-old wooden hull, and recruited from his crew base of old friends from high school and college. Jess was ready to go. But as it was for so many yachts people, pandemic struck and forced a new timeline. I had met Jess Terry shouting congratulations at him in 2018 for his winning of the cruising division in the Opera House Cup, Nantucket's largest classic yacht event. He came back in 2020 for a repeat in a nasty nor'easter that saw an Illyrian sailed by my neighbor, Take the Cup. Now, two years later, I'm here talking to Jess about Bermuda 2022. Two recently published versions of Jess Terry's quest to do Bermuda inspired our conversation. One was in late April in Scuttlebutt, and the other Jess's posting on the Classic Yacht Owners Association's website. I recommend both, especially the CYOA feature, that lays out the specifications of all the member boats going to Bermuda in quest of silver and darkened stormies. The story of Jess Terry and his boat, Abigail, goes back 65 years. Jess graduated college at the beginning of the 21st century. Abigail, like me, is a baby boomer, at least by age of birth. Over the years competing in the Opera House Cup in Nantucket, we thought we knew who all the skippers were. But back there in August 2018, at the end of the race, we were asking, who is that mask boat? Meaning the 39-foot Alden Ketch that beat us in Dolphin in the 2018 OHC. The pictures that I studied ad nauseum on the Opera House Cup website showed a 12-ton boat, striking blue, a rare small Alden catch, with the lines of a boat I thought I recognized. Aha! It was Carlton Mitchell's Carib. The home port was different. It was Noank. I called my friends in Noank. Who is Jess Terry? And what is Abigail? The history of Abigail crossed paths with one of my favorite boat tales thus far in conversations with classic boats. That is... Finisterre and Fidelio, the S&S twins, two 
of our fall podcasts in 2020. The genealogy of the twins, as compared to Abigail. Finisteer, born 1954, to Carlton Mitchell. It was Mitch's third child. Abigail, born 1956, with the same builder, Seth Pearson, in Old Saybrook, Connecticut. Finisteer, Owen Stevens' tradition-busting ocean racer. Abigail, John Alden's design for offshore cruising. A modern take on one of his Malabars. Themselves, iconic American design models based on the fishing schooner. Finisteer, three successive overall wins of the Bermuda race. Abigail, winner of the cruising division Opera House Cup 2018, among others. The fact is that Abigail has a hull almost identical to Carlton Mitchell's first boat, Carib, formerly Malabar the Twelfth. Seemed like an awful lot of coincidence. But she and Finisteer are a pair of two-masted classics from two of the premier naval architects in the 20th century in America. Here's what Jess said in Scuttlebutt News way back, April 2022. I believe my work to prepare Abigail for this year's Newport Bermuda race is a tribute to John Alden, a founding father of offshore racing. Alden won the Bermuda race three times on one of the Malabars, Jess said. Jess, who practices real estate in real life, has had a taste for classics back to college. His boat preceding Abigail was an Augie Nielsen yawl, similar to the meticulously restored Annie of my friend in Nantucket and Opera House chairman, Phil Smith. Our good friend Peter Taylor gives the account in Jess's own words. Although she is a catch, her hull is derived from the fishing schooner and her heritage is from offshore cruising. Alden last won the Bermuda race in 1932 in a race that included Olin Stevens on Derade. It seems like 90 years later is a good time to try again. How long does it take to get my 65-year-old John Alden wood catch ready to meet the requirements of one of the premier offshore racing events? Years. My journey started seven years ago by preparing the boat for offshore cruising. Over the first winter, three men replaced 4,000 screws fastening the hull together. Yeah, n- note from the editor. Back in 2021, I think we counted 2,300 screws in the redo of the Stonington, Connecticut-based IOD, Atesian. Then it was a focus on the rigging, both standing and running. By the spring, we had new sails that optimized the two-masted rig. We tested all that stuff sailing back and forth from southern New England to Maine and Nova Scotia. The next winter, many more hours were spent working on the teak decks and replacing through hulls and plumbing. We then added some modern gear like electronics, new winches, and better blocks. We tested the new gear by participating in classic yacht races up and down the New England coast. Uh, Yes, a note from the author. We know what Abigail can do. He beat us in Dolphin in the 2018 Opera House Cup. When COVID hit, there seemed to be more winter hours available. I looked at the Marion Bermuda inspection list with my crew, and we thought there was a chance. I sailed on a wood S&S yawl in the Newport Bermuda race four times prior. It was an incredible journey every time, including winning our class in 2012 
and making the program cover in 2014. The boat Jess is referring to was Blackwatch, the 68-foot SNS yawl, built to win the Bermuda race for its owners, the Schaefer family. Jess's own Abigail was actually built for offshore cruising, and only two years after Finisterre, 1956. Two different shapes, two different philosophies. Alden, the American vernacular designer, taking his cues from the lines of traditional fishing schooners, plenty of sheer, deep keels. Then think back to our podcast, Finisterre and Fidelio. Fidelio owner Chuck Townsend described his boat as a pumpkin, buoyant for the worst sea conditions, and gasp with a large centerboard to tune and balance the boat over a wide variety of conditions. Remember J-Boat's designer, Rod Johnstone. He talked and could have talked for hours on the advantages of that movable metal plate and the physics therein. But for Captain Alden, keel, attached rudder, enough said. Peter Taylor picks up the tail. The to-do list for a 600-mile-plus ocean race is not what it was in the 1950s. The safety gear requirements are eye-opening, but I was at least ahead of the supply chain issues and wave of new West Marine boaters in the market. Then there was the minutia, like securing floorboards and drawers or installing gaskets and lazarettes or a harness point in the companionway. It was a pretty long list that took more time than expected. Springtime arrived and COVID took out the 2020 race. With a new winter and a new year to prepare for sailing to Bermuda, Jesse continued. Jess took good advantage of the extra time that he had, and he needed it. I looked at the Newport to Bermuda inspection list and was surprised there was even more to do. I then took advantage of every helping hand of the race organizers, including a pre-inspection and the assignment of a mentor through their race ambassador program. When I finished with Jess, he summed up where he was at the time we talked, with about five weeks to go for the big race. As he said, no, the race was less than two months away, and he thought he was on schedule. That was late April. Meanwhile, my good friend and IOD Atesian owner, Eller Merrill, is taking a radically different approach to racing to Bermuda. He's attacking the Gulf Stream with a brand new Lyman Morse-built Custom 46. That gorgeous green LM-46 came into Stonington Harbor in early May, after a fast passage from her main birthplace. Elliot, a longtime veteran of the Bermuda race, going back sailing with his father, Newt Merrill, mostly on a vintage J-42, is going with a boat splashed 65 years after Abigail. He has that same long inspection list, though, and, and five weeks to deal with it. Jess and Elliot find themselves in the St. David's Lighthouse Division with 113 other ocean racing veterans. That was the entries as of May 6. That elite group will have seven divisions, most likely, of its own. And it represents more than half the size of the fleet that, again, numbered 203 entrants in mid-May. Overall, it is so far the second largest set of entrants for a race that started in 1906. According to Bob McKay, who has written a fascinating book, available through Amazon, on racing in Newport between the wars, there is one authority on the Bermuda race that he swears by. 
John Roman here, author of A Birth to Bermuda, could very well be the living, breathing authority on the race that cycles every two years. Here's an excerpt from his work I found online in the form of a series of stories that describes the very first Bermuda race as, quote, an act of rebellion. In 1906, the establishment believed that it would be insane for amateur sailors to race offshore in boats under 80 feet. Thomas Fleming Day, the feisty editor of The Rudder, vehemently disagreed, insisting, quote, the danger of the sea for generations has been preached by the ignorant, unquote. Certain that an ocean race would be enjoyable and safe, and also develop better sailors and better boats, Day founded one on his own. The Brooklyn Yacht Club started the race in New York Bay, and down on the island paradise, the Royal Bermuda Yacht Club finished it off St. David's Head. The smallest entry then, and in Bermuda race history, was the 28-foot sloop Gauntlet. She was notorious for her size and also for her crew, because it included a woman, 20-year-old Thora Lund Robinson. Today, upwards of 300 women will be competing in the Bermuda race. Our Oak Cliff friend Dawn Riley has thoroughly drilled her crew of men and women to handle the 86-foot Maxi, formerly owned by Doug DeVos, formerly called WinQuest, in pursuit of first to finish and an overall win. The winner that year of pre-war ocean racing, that's World War I pre-war ocean racing, was the 38-foot yawl Tamerlane, with Thomas Fleming Day himself as sailing master. When he reached the Royal Bermuda Yacht Club Quay under tow, 4,000 of the island's 14,000 residents were there to greet him. There were four more races before the sailors decided it was too much to ask that the race be held annually. To summarize Romanier's historical account, the 1923 race, starting from New London, was a grueling one, but all 22 boats finished. In 1926, the Cruising Club of America and the RBYC teamed up to host a race. To date, only two boats have been lost, one on a Bermuda Reef and the other in a fire in 1932 that claimed the race's only loss of life. Nothing seems to face Jess Terry. It only took him seven years, but now that he's focused on launching and developing his crew and fitting out, he'll be ready to go. He went on to observe that there are nine other CYOA Classic Yachts in this year's race. Hopefully, they can all tune up together in early June's NYYC Annual Regatta, racing for the Tiedemann Trophy named after the late classicist Bob Tiedemann, a familiar figure with his Clinton-Crane-designed 12-meter gleam. First 12-meter Ivor sailed on. Then June 17th marks the day of the 635-mile thrash to the onion patch. That Friday, which is about two weeks after this article appeared in Winchek magazine, all that effort, the starts and stops, the cr- screws replaced, the lists ticked off, they will all be in the past. And the bash southeast, jousting with the Gulf Stream, 
in search of a single ring of limestone islands will be underway. Good luck, Jess, and good luck, Elliot. May the best boat win. We hope to be watching at the start of the Newport Bermuda race beginning Friday, June 17th. Yeah, and a shout-out to Winjack Magazine. The June issue is covering this very subject. Classic yachts going to Bermuda. And don't forget Mad Martha at Team One Newport. Her store is chock-a-block with items for the occasion. We're pretty sure the majority of the fleet has some Team One item somewhere on their crew. And if you have a club or a class or a school, consider her program. Princeton University just implemented it. Great stuff. Thanks to Craig Lewick of Scuttlebutt for allowing the use of his feature on Jess and Abigail. Same goes with the CYOA, which posted the same Abigail story on its website. Thanks to Peter Taylor, our crack narrator, for lending us his voice. And as always, thank you, Conversation subscribers. Haven't subscribed yet? Go to the website, conversationswithclassicboats.com, and go wherever you get your podcasts. Spotify, Apple. Enjoy, as always, pictures in this and the past galleries. And give us a review. Five stars, please. That's the best way to tell the watery world that Conversations with Classic Boats is there for their podcast enjoyment. And come back next time for a unique all-interview episode with three solo sailors that are featured in Mystic Seaport Museum's Story Boats, The Tales They Tell. Go see that exhibit at the Thompson Exhibition Building at the Seaport. The show's on till mid-August. It's not just an exhibit. It's a whole set of activities for the entire family at America's Maritime Museum. This podcast was written by Tom Darling and produced by Griffin Bengraff with special producer input from our good friend Jason Mraz. A quick one. Jason's son, Connor, was chosen best skipper for 2022 by his Princeton sailing peers. Way to go, Connor. Huzzah. We're closing in on summer. Take care of yourself and someone else if you can. Fair sailing, Tom Darwin. And we'll roll the old chariot along. We'll roll the old chariot along. We'll roll the old chariot along. And we'll all hang on behind. And a drop of Nelson's blood wouldn't do us any harm. A drop of Nelson's blood wouldn't.